He's worthy. When the music stops, he's still worthy. On Wednesday night, he's still worthy. Amen. No matter what you're going through, he's still worthy. He's the only one that can give you peace of mind. Seems like everything in life, amen, has its ups and downs and tugs and torments. But Jesus is the only one we can count on. He is our peace. He is our provider. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. How many ever feel? How many feel like you, you're challenged all the time by things in life? Amen. It's no different as a pastor. Amen. There's things in a church that's it's a constant challenge to stay on top of, and amen. You got people always trying to push the envelope and do things, amen. Even when they know better, uh, it's almost like it's almost we're almost like kids. We're just big kids. I am. I, I haven't grown up yet. Don't plan on it yet. Give me another year or two, and then I might act more adult. Uh, Sister Gigi, she's in the hospital, by the way, just to let everybody know. The new lady there, she has, uh, she struggles with COPD uh, along with some things. So remember her in your prayers. I talked to her today, and she seems pretty bubbly about it, but... Uh, just uh, it's a it's a serious situation. So just remember her, brother Bob. Somebody say brother Bob. He's breaking out of prison tomorrow. Amen. Amen. Talk to him. He's ready to get out of there. He's breaking out of there in the morning. Done his last therapy the, this afternoon. So he was pretty excited about that. So keep them in your prayers. All right, we're going to dismiss Kids Quest. Kids Quest, you are dismissed. You're going to go steal a preacher's water. No, uh, we are going to have our department head meeting here in September. Uh, just to let you know, that's uh, um, we're going to be planning the rest of the year, getting things uh, nailed down. Uh, I'm excited about a couple of things that we've got, uh, a couple special events coming up while they're dismissing. Let me just kind of share with you. Uh, I'm uh, not only proud but excited to share with the church here. October 1st, 1997, Sister Laura and I was voted in as a pastor, uh, the uh, Church of the Lord Jesus Christ of Roarton. And uh, we, uh, uh, I think there was uh, 11 people present that day. Seven got to vote and uh, voted us in. That's, that's, the church was very small. Uh, a lot of things happening. And uh, it's been a long time. And uh, October 1st, uh, this year here we're going to celebrate, and I'm excited to share with you, uh, Brother Matt's coming to preach for us that Sunday morning. Amen. Sister Marin, Brother Matt, and the family's going to be here. Uh, of course, it's uh, Sister Laura's birthday as well, so she's going to, uh, they're going to be trying to, you know, kind of uh, celebrate with her, but uh, uh, anyway, uh, he's going to be with us, and he has to leave and go to preach for Brother Gobin in uh, uh, Terre Haute, or Crawfordsville. Uh, two o'clock. So anyway, we're excited about that. Uh, I just booked uh, Brother Johnstone. Uh, he's going to be coming and preaching for us the first Sunday in uh, in November. Somebody say the first Sunday in November. We're going to have two services, 
Sunday morning and Sunday night. So don't get booked up. Don't, well, I didn't know. You know, uh, first Sunday in October, uh, we're going to have a night service at 6 o'clock. Brother John Stone's going to be here with us. It's a family of five there, are just a great family. And uh, she can sing like a canary is what I've heard. So I don't know. We'll find out. But uh, I've been told that. But uh, we're excited about that. So we've got a couple things here locked in for the next, uh, next month or so. All right? Next couple months. Uh, we will not... Somebody say not. Be having Christmas dinner at Mansfield Park. Uh, they are booked up Thanksgiving. What did I say? Christmas. Sorry, thank you. Uh, I won't shoot you no more. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Thanksgiving. Our Thanksgiving dinner is going to be here. Uh, it was booked up, booked up until May, actually. So we couldn't even dance around different dates. So uh, we're just, we just decided to go ahead and have our uh, uh, dinner here, Thanksgiving dinner here, uh, the Sunday before Thanksgiving. So uh, you'll be hearing more about that, about the plans for that. I'm excited also to announce Sister Reba. She's uh, working on and uh, starting Tuesday, the 1st of uh, September here, the 1st Tuesday, September, uh, after Labor Day, uh, we're going to be going into the school and we're going to be placing things in the teacher's lounge for the teachers. And we're going to do that once a week, every week. And we'll kind of yet to be determined how long. But we're going to do that for a while uh, for our teachers. And we've uh, excuse me, chosen a school, get, getting some of those things together. And we're going to try to find out what they would enjoy uh, to be a blessing there uh, as a community outreach event. So just to let you know about that. Matthew chapter 22 is where I'd like to go tonight. <clears throat> Excited about Brother St. Clair coming. He's, he's let me know uh, uh, over the last couple of years, you know, we, we stay close and, and we talk quite a bit. But uh, he, uh, he's always said, hey, listen, you ever need to get away, I'll be glad to come in and help out. So uh, we gotta, we're going to the 20th wedding vow renewal of Matt and Marin. Amen. 20 years. And uh, the grandkids and so our family, Matt's family and Sister Mary's family, we're all down there. They rented this, I don't know what you call it, a villa. It's a whole village. Every one of us has got our place, our cabin and all that. So uh, we're all going down there to be a part of that and, uh, and celebrate with them. And then uh, we had to do it on the Labor Day weekend so that everybody could, you know, really kind of get it together with our schedules. So uh, that's why that's happening. Matthew 22, verse number 1. Jesus is getting ready to speak here. Jesus answered and spake unto them again by parables. Somebody say parables. And said, the kingdom of heaven is like, he didn't say it is, he said it's like unto a certain king, which made a marriage for his son, and sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding, and they wouldn't come. Now we know this is, a, this is a really a twofold message parable that the Lord is using here if you really read it carefully, because he's talking about the Jews, and he's talking about the Gentiles in this, if you, if you understand it. And he said, but they didn't come. They didn't show up. And so, verse 4, again he sent forth other servants, saying, tell them which are bidden. Behold, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen, my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready. Somebody say ready. Come unto the marriage. But they made light of it. 
went their ways, one to his farm and other to his merchandise. And the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. <laughs> what, a, what a sad occasion, really. But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth. Of course he was. He was upset, mad, angry. And he sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. Then saith he to his servants. Now remember, Jesus said, I want you to understand what's going on here. This is likened to a king. Then he said, then said he to his servants, the wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as ye shall find, bid to the marriage. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and good. <laughs> and the wedding was furnished with guests. And when the king came to see the guest, and when the king came in to see the guest, he saw there a man. He saw a man which had not on a wedding garment. And he said unto him, Friend, how camest thou in here having not a wedding garment? And he was speechless. He didn't have an answer. Then said the king to the servants, Bind him, hand and foot, take him away, cast him into outer darkness, and there shall be weeping and gnashing of the teeth. <laughs> There's a good example of what the Lord is describing of something being cast out of heaven, somebody not making it, and what hell will be like. For many are called, but few are chosen. Amen. I want to go back to verse number two. The kingdom of heaven is like, and I want to talk about tonight, future things. Just a little funny little thought. Future things. You can be seated. We all think about future things, and really most of what we think about is pertaining to the life as we know it, this life that we're living, and what our future might hold or what we might be looking ahead to do. But in God's great wisdom, and how many believe and know that he's a lot wiser than we are, in his great wisdom, he chose to deal with his people. And it's important that we understand when Jesus is talking here, I mean, he's just not making up these stories. He's saying everything for a reason. But he chose to deal with his people many times. And I say many times. Many times the Lord chose parables. Common things that people would be able to understand or put together uh, with what's going on. Uh, through promises. He uses parables to kind of illustrate some promises of things that are yet to come. And so we have to look at it and understand what Jesus is saying here. Because think about this, and I thought about this a lot today. What a dread, what a dreaded thought, what a dull life or existence ours would be uh, now, in, this, in, in our life now. I mean, think about it. Some people say they're having fun. Some people say life is full of, you know. But really, it would be very dreary and very dull if this life was all that God planned. I like to, I like to think about hope in the future. And that hope in the future is heaven. That hope in the future is being with Jesus. Amen. 
you know, we enjoy things in this life, but really life wouldn't be, it wouldn't have its zest. It wouldn't have its, I mean, we just couldn't have the goals. And, and there's a reason for that, I believe, because God provided for us something. And thank God we have hope beyond this life. Amen. Some of us are glad. We have hope of heaven. I hope that everybody here has a desire to make heaven your home. And I want to illustrate the word make heaven your home. It's not automatic. Some of you got quiet. Not everybody's going to make it. It's not something we like to talk about or think about, especially when it comes to our family, our ancestors, and things like that. We try to kind of push things out because we don't know where maybe they have stood uh, along the way when it comes to salvation. But my Bible says that God has given everybody, and will give everybody a chance. They will hear the good news, and they will have to make up their mind where they believe it. But I, I believe we, in this we have a hope in heaven. In fact, the history of creation, the history of man, think about it, just the creation itself makes known that our human souls, by a natural instinct, there's something inside us really without much conscience. Now, stay with me for a minute. Conscience or thought uh, believe that there is a heaven. I believe most people especially up until where we're at today uh, in this wild generation that's starting to move through. But, I mean, prior, I believe that we all, and I believe even some of them are not truthful because I believe everybody has something instilled inside them from God about a feeling about heaven. There's, there's something else. Uh, what are words? There, there's a better life. There's something beyond. You know, we've taken God, we've taken Jesus out of the equation, the equation these days, and now we just have replaced that. There's a higher power. And so I believe that we inherently have something inside uh, that without much conscience or thinking about, it's there. I believe it was implanted into us by God himself when he breathed into man. Man became a living soul. I believe something was breathed into us at that time, amen, about our soul, about life, that gives us, no matter where we're at, no matter what walk we are in life, we have some kind of conscious feelings that there's something else, something beyond this life. Because I don't know about you, I believe all humanity has some kind of desire or thought that there is a better place. There's got to be something better than this. I mean, I hope this ain't all that there is. Some people, it appears that they're living high on the hog, but really when you do your research and study, you'll find out people that live high on the hog that what we would declare have it all or have what they want, they're not satisfied. Something inside them's missing. They can have billions of dollars and millions of dollars and still not be satisfied. And I hope if we think about that, especially as young people, when we think about that, no matter how much we strive to have it all, when we get there, we won't have it all unless we have hope in Christ, a hope in another life. 
It's called eternity. We're just here for a while. It is. I mean, you know, we say life is but a va- It is. Because the older you get, the more you realize, man, thinking about my life, just, you know, 20, 30, it's almost blurry. You go and you do so many things, uh, it, some things become blurry. Now, some people have a great memory. I know people that remember when they was three years old. My, my, my best memories that I can remember going way back was when we lived on Plum Street right before I started kindergarten. I remember things in that time frame. I don't know whether I was three or four, but five when I went to kindergarten. Uh, I, I, I can remember bits and pieces. And so uh, to remember some things, we, we, you know, we're glad to be able to remember those. But most have always felt something, and I, I believe this. Something better, something is beyond Matter of fact, I, I was reading a little bit about something else and stumbled across. Even Native Americans back in the day spoke of a happy hunting ground in the sky. Something beyond. Even, even then, there was, you know, even then they felt like there was something else. Uh, so I think human nature, there's something inside us that we have. Uh, Jesus is using this parable, look at it, in Matthew 22 to talk about heaven. He's talking about the preparation for, and in fact, he's addressing some things I think is very important. He's addressing it with his disciples. Now, remember St. John, put that up for me, St. John chapter 14, verses 2 and 3. We was just talking about that here recently. He said, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And he says, I go to prepare a place for you. Think about it. There's something more. There's something, what do you want to say, better? <laughs> of course it's better. What the Lord prepares for his people is always better. What the Lord offers you. Listen, salvation is better than this life. I don't know why people don't embrace it. Having salvation, the gift, amen, of the Holy Ghost and and the power of being baptized and having our sins remitted. Jesus paid the price with his own blood. He paid the price for us. That's better than any life that we can build for ourselves. Now, translations of the word mission, mansions, I should say, mansions. It means abiding place. Dwellings, resting places. So Jesus says these mansions, these places, I, I go to prepare a place for you, a mansion, a, a dwelling place, a resting place, a place to abide. You know, it's not like mansions that we build here on the earth. We, we can build some very beautiful mansions nowadays, beautiful, beautiful places, but even that, they don't compare to what the Lord has prepared. I'll show you because when we really put it all together. Because Jesus says these mansions are, these places, these abodes are already in place, built and ready. Then he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And we don't really know 
and I, I want to emphasize this, just what those preparations are that he's making for us, but we do know they must be awesome. By the word of the Lord, they're awesome. The Apostle Paul said it back, best, amen, and, and I believe it's indescribable. We can try to formulate what we think in, in, in building some kind of place or having some kind of resting place or dwelling place. We can think about it, but 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10, what did the Apostle Paul say? He said, but as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither has it entered in, come on, you getting this? Neither has it entered into the heart of man the things which God hath, what? Prepared for them that love him. In our flesh, we don't understand. We can't even fathom. It's indescribable. Eyes haven't seen, ears haven't heard. I mean, there's no plans, there's no design, there's nothing we can come up with ourselves. But notice verse 10. He said, but God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit. There are things that we can get a glimpse of. Streets paved with gold. No sea, no need of the sun, the light. Why? Because he is. No more tears, no more sorrow, no more. Those are things that we can understand some. But without the Spirit, our, our flesh cannot comprehend. That's why, listen, that's why we give ourselves away by how we live. If we're true believers, we're going to go after salvation with everything we have. We're going to own it. I was getting quiet. We're going to own it. It's a gift, it's mine. I got it. I'm going to keep it. Come on, the gates of hell can't take it away. The world didn't give it to me. Think about it. Come on, we've got this. Why would we not keep it? Why would we not pursue it with everything that we have? People run from God. People run from conviction. The devil, amen, is very subtle these days. The, the devil keeps people busy. I'm not just talking physically. I'm talking mentally. Come on, 24-7, he tries to make people think things that are not so. I know people that all they do is battle what they think other people think. Who cares? That's nothing but the adversary trying to steal and kill and destroy the spiritual things that God wants to reveal to his people. Eyes can't see it. Ears can't comprehend. Come on. Ears can't hear because we can sit down and de de develop and design, design plans and, and do all. I mean, and, and, but there's no way we can put it together like God is taking and preparing for us. Think about it. Because future things for us is something, something that we can't in our flesh understand. These are future things that God has in store for us. If we hold true. If we hold on. If we fight the good fight of faith. If we're not weary in well-doing, in due season, we will reap. We will benefit. 
That's what he said. He said, as it were, eye has not seen, ears not heard. Because it's a future spiritual thing. God has made. God has prepared for us. Could it, can I, uh, you know, I wrote down some things to be negative like I always do. Could it be the reason why we struggle with being able to see spiritual things is we're just really too materialistic? You know, we're just, I mean, we are very materialistic people. How we live our life, how we dress, how we pursue life, we are really pretty materialistic. And could it be that we can't fully be aware or comprehend because we have limited perceptives? You know, my perception of what God's trying to do and what God's doing, my perception, amen, uh, you know, and, 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 and things that, that I put uh, priorities in life, are they, are they blinding? Are they hindering? Are they keeping us, amen, from being able to see spiritual things that God wants to reveal? Because we do have limited, I believe, limited perspectives of the important things of life. Think about it. And I, and I say that. I can, I, I can prove it. I mean, prove it, prove it, prove it over and over and over. What we pursue in this life says a lot about what we really believe or don't believe. What we stand for or don't stand for. The things that we pursue. If we're not pursuing godly things, what are we pursuing? If we're not pursuing things to, amen, to, to help build the kingdom of God, what are we pursuing? Our own? Something else? I, I believe the scripture lets us know if we're not for him, what are we? I didn't say that. The word does. If, you're not, if we're not for the Lord, it's not like these folks that's on the fence and just never can make up their decision, never can make a decision, never can get committed, never can, in and out, up and down, always like, everything in the world bothers them. That's worldliness. That's not, that's not having your eye on eternal. Salvation's eternal. No, you know, let's get this. Salvation is not he, now to, to get you through. Salvation is eternal. When we receive it, we never get rid of it, amen, unless we lay it down, unless we walk away, unless we allow the enemy to steal it because it's our ticket out of here, out of this life, into something that maybe we can't even figure out or understand in our flesh. But something in our spirit, come on, when we get spiritual, something in our spirit is like a magnet, draws you to it. It draws us to the deeper things, to the godly things, to the spiritual things. Listen, listen, just try talking to people nowadays. Everybody wants to talk carnal. Try to bring, excuse me, try to intervene, try to, try to inject something spiritual into a conversation and watch the response. Where'd that come from? Where are you going, brother? Because that's... Those are the things that, I, like I said, those are the things that are keeping us. Could it be what's keeping us from seeing? Because we are blinded by materialism. Our, our own proper and priorities and values and what we think and what we feel. Uh, oh, yeah, we can build all these things. We can do all these things. We can have a lot of beautiful things on this earth. Uh, and, and, and they're nice. And they're great. But nothing in our natural 
our natural abilities can compare or will ever compare. Don't you think that Jesus, when he told them, because, you know, we've talked about how they was heartbroken. Let not your heart be troubled. He knew they was heartbroken. But he said, I'm going to prepare. I'm going, I'm going to get things ready. There's a preparation that needs to be. Jesus is using that same type of preparation in this parable. He said, listen, there's going to be a wedding. How many want to be at the marriage supper of the Lamb? I want my name written in the Lamb's book of life. I want to be properly invited. I want to be a guest. I want to have on the wedding garment. I don't want to be cast out. I never knew you. I don't want to hear those words. Well done. Well done, thou person that wants to do anything they want to do. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Servant of who? Servant not of man, not of this world, amen, not of life, amen, servant of God, servant of spiritual things. Listen, we all live life. We all, you know, you got chickens, you go out and feed them every day. You got cows, you go out and feed them. You know, you mow your grass. Yeah, we have life to live. I'm not talking about those kind of things. I'm talking about things that we allow to creep into our lives that eat up our time and eat up what God is trying to do with his church. Amen. We are to help build the kingdom of God. And if we're not building the kingdom of God, what are we building? But if you're not working for the Lord, what are you working for? Think about it. Sometimes... Sometimes I get bothered. Let me, let me say it that way. Sometimes I get bothered. Me. I mean, I'm so laid back and it takes a lot. Depends on who you are, I guess. No. I get bothered sometimes, Lord. I don't know what to preach. I don't know what to do. I don't know. Uh, listen, I, I'm just being open and honest. Some, oh, Lord, I, what, what? what? Because the direction I feel from you, I feel like I'm being pressured by others not to go that path. Easy to say. It's not always easy to do. And so some of that you learn as a leader. You learn in ministry. Some of that you got to learn. Not people feel like you do. They just don't admit it. There's days, I promise you, some of you wake up, man. Man, serving the Lord is rough. But when we step back and we think about it, and we step back and we realize, listen, there's nothing any better. I don't want to go to the world. I don't want to be an alcoholic. I don't want to be a, come on, I don't want to be a buzzer. I don't want to sit around and talk all day, amen, and think life owes me. I used to be that way. Used to think, man, this is it. At one time in my life, I thought, I'll never not be able to get all this laid out before I go to bed. So when I get up, it's all ready for me. So I can face life. So I can go to work. First break, hit the bathroom, do it again. No, we get in these mindsets, and Jesus is letting us know in this parable. Listen, we can get into the place where we, may, we can make light of things. 
The Lord was serious about this wedding. It was his son. Who's he talking about? The Lord Jesus Christ. He's talking about his son. Amen. And guess what? They made light of it. I don't want, I don't want to make light of heaven. I don't want to make light of hell. Hell's real. People joke about hell like it's some kind. It is not something to play with. It's not a Rubik's Cube that you can finally figure out. Look at it. Our eyes haven't seen. Listen, here's the thing. We get blinded by things, and some things money cannot buy. Some things money cannot buy. Hoard your money up. Die and let everybody fight over it. Don't give your part to God. You'll find out what it was worth. Come on. Some things man can't build. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. Watch me now. A planned place for a prepared people. Really, that's a good statement. The Lord's just letting them know, listen, I'm going to go, I'm going to go prepare, but you got to be ready. A prepared people, you got to be ready. You got to preach this gospel and tell people, listen, this gospel is your ticket out of here. This is, this is eternal. This is eternity stuff. Because he uses the illustration of what hell, just a little bit of what hell is going to be like. Weeping and gnashing of the teeth. It's not going to be no party time. It's not going to be a fun time. And we're talking about not just a few days of suffering. We're talking about for eternity. No comfort. No peace. Man, think about it. And, and, and we make light of things sometimes. We really do. We've all been guilty. Now here, here let, me, let me tie this to something else Jesus said. St. John, or Luke chapter 13, verse 3. Get this. Except Jesus is talking. This is the Lord. This ain't, this ain't up for interpretation or Greek, Hebrew. This is the Lord speaking. Except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. And he was being very specific about a situation that they brought to his attention. You know, this happened to this one, so they must be bigger sinners than somebody else. They must be worse off. Than, no, listen. Unless you, he, he made it clear. This ain't got. This is not. This is not merited. He said, "Unless except you repent, you shall all likewise perish." I don't care who you are. That's what he's saying. It's, it's not a. It's not a case of well, he's worse and she's and this. And we That's that's human. We categorize sin. You know, when you rebel against the man of God, you're sinning. Hello. Some of you need to hear this. When you rebel against the word of God, a man of God, you remember against the things of God, it's sin. It's sin because we know we should be. Obedience is better than the sacrifice that you're making. Mm. Ooh, I felt something there. Accept your repent. Now listen, turning from, turning from sin, and that's the important thing, turning from sin is an act of repentance. You know what we're doing today? We flip-flop this. People come down the altar, they repent, 
we encourage them to be baptized in Jesus' name so that, for the re, uh, remission of their sins, and that's it. You got to still keep quit sinning. You don't keep doing the same thing. Don't go there and get your sins washed away and get up and go start doing everything that you always did. Who wants to hear that, though? Because we're excited somebody got baptized. Listen, I've said this a long time ago. I don't try to put notches in my gun. Just baptizing somebody is just not a thing for me. It, there's got to be something feeling behind it. There should be some remorse. There should be some crying. There should be some for, uh, asking for, for There should be recognizing I need forgiveness. Oh, well, if that's what I need to do, okay, I'll, I'll do it. That is not the right attitude. And we're not teaching people properly. That's why the Lord said, go and baptizing them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, teaching them. Teach all nations. That means, what does it mean? If I need to be taught something, it means I didn't know. So I need to learn. People need to learn why we repent. It is for remission of sins. But you get up and don't continue to do the same thing. Or what's the purpose? The only thing that we really need to emphasize and make sure, listen, now when you do make a mistake, and just don't go out and do it now willfully because at one point it was ignorance. Now it's not. Willful and ignorance are two different things. And so now when you continue on, listen, when you slip up or when you make a mistake, now what you do is you ask God to forgive you. And he's faithful to forgive. How many is glad no sin is going to make it to heaven? Hello. Then let's quit trying to put our family in heaven that didn't, that didn't believe in salvation. Come on. I, I, I'm, I'm, listen, the Lord's very serious about this. This is not play. This is not play time. He told them, listen, he said, listen, if you don't have the wedding garment on, you're out. Take him and throw him out. Jesus, <laughs> pretty serious stuff. But, you know, we're supposed to preach tolerance and love. Yes, we are, to a degree. But you don't preach tolerance and love. You teach that you don't do things. And some of that teaching makes you feel uncomfortable and should cause some conviction. But we don't want to hear that because no sin is going to make it to heaven. <laughs> what does that mean? That's the opposite of heaven. What's the opposite of heaven? Hell. Hell. There's four different descriptions in the scripture about hell. Sheol, that's the Hebrew for hell. Hades, that's Greek. Guiana, that's Greek. And Tartus, that's Greek. All, has a, all have a specific meaning in the word of God, in the scripture. But all are words Talk about hell, what hell is, and what the purpose is. Now, we don't think about it, but for every one time, I want you to get this, if you don't remember, for every one time, every one time, every one time we talk about heaven, one, talk about heaven scripturally, for every one scripture about heaven, there's ten scriptures about hell. How much do we preach about hell nowadays? 
10 to 1. Look it up. I'm not making this up. For every one time in the scripture that we talk about heaven, heaven's talked about, 10 times hell is mentioned. But all we want to hear is, Hell is no joke. There's no coming back from hell. We don't think about it. We don't really talk about it. <laughs> but let me, let, me, let, me, let me bring something to your memory. Luke chapter 16, verse 25. I want you to notice something. Because sometimes we just pass over, gloss over stuff, and, you know, we do the one-liners. Remember this story? There was, a, there was a rich man, there's a poor man, there was a situation here. Notice that. But Abraham said, son, because guess what happened? He got to see, he got to go to Abraham's bosom, the poor man, didn't he not? And, and the rich man, oh, let him dip, let him, just, just touch my tongue. That's how bad it's going to be. Just touch my tongue, which is just, a, just a, your wet finger. He said, son, remember that in your lifetime you received good things and likewise Lazarus, evil things, but now he is comforted and thou art what? Oh, you're in a party. You're in a party. What stands out to you in in this comment right here? And I want you to get this. If you don't get anything tonight, notice what is said here. Notice the first words that Abraham spoke to the rich man. Son, remember. Remember, come on, think about it, in a place of time, and you're going to be able to remember what you could have had and what you could have been and what you could have done. Then it'll be too late. Remember, son. First words. In a, in a I mean, extraordinary situation. Remember, son. Because we know by the Scripture Hell has torment, and we have senses in hell. There's seeing, feeling. There's the senses in hell. Think about it. And so one of the senses, one of the worst things that we can have is our memory. You know, we, we laugh, tongue, and coulda, shoulda, woulda. Ain't going to be no joke that day. Coulda, shoulda, woulda. Well, you know, oh, you know, or like when we make mistakes now, or when somebody, oh well. You know how many times I've been told over my life in ministry, oh well, I guess you just have to forgive me. Okay, that's the answer. Son, remember, he said. Look at the first words he tells him. One of the most painful things, amen. Future things is our retention of our memory. And I'm talking about future things, things that are going on, not just heaven, not just hell, but we retain our memory of what we could have been or could have done. Now, I wrote this down. If the road to hell is paved with good intentions, what? If the road to hell is paved, you know, well, I meant to, or well, you know, could have, should have, would have. If it's paved with good intentions, then hell is a place fitted with regrets. Because if I retain my memory, and he says, remember, son, in your situation, remember, then guess what? I promise you there'll be a lot of people remembering, and they'll have regrets. 
I wish I would have listened to that big mouth, red-faced preacher instead of got an attitude because he's meddling in my life. Preachers don't meddle in your life. We just preach the word, and the word's what meddles in your life. And you're either living it or you're not. There's no two ways about it. We either live it or we don't. So I don't want to have regrets because future things, heaven is our hope. Heaven is our hope. Now, last scripture I want to use. What time is it? Oh, we're doing pretty good. Revelation 21. Let's go to the back of the book, verses 3 through 5. I'm going to read them real quick. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, <laughs> we're talking about future things. Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. How many believe that you have the Holy Ghost and the tabernacle of God is indwelling in you right now? And he will dwell with them and shall be, and what? Shall be his people. They shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them and be their God. Verse 4. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death. Future things. No more sorrow. No more crying. Neither shall there be any more pain. Here it is. For the former things, the old things. We're living now in the future. We're looking at future things. And he said, that set, and he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. You believe that? We have a future to be thankful for. We have a future to strive for, and it's not here. Come on, hear me. Tighten your life up a little bit. Tighten things up. Come on, get a prayer life. Get serious about praying. Get serious about asking God for direction. Come on. Well, this place should have been full of amens. Get serious about it. Ask God to make you a soul winner. You think he can? Come on. Well, brother, well, you know, preacher. Uh, no, listen to me. Y'all want God to bless you and everything else? Oh, Lord, I want to be good on my job. I want to, have, I want to be smart. I want to be educated. I want to be, oh, Lord, help me through this and help me through this. We ask him for everything else. Ask him to help you be a soul winner. Because when we ask ourselves, and I've asked myself, when's the last time I contributed to winning a soul? Besides preaching. Man, scary thought. Because we're supposed to be, young people, we're supposed to be witnesses, aren't we? We're supposed to be witnesses. What are we witnessing to the world? Look at me. Oh, I'm an entrepreneur. You know, I'm a, I'm a moneymaker. Good for you. That's, that's, that's not bad at all because I don't like lazy people myself. Don't. I don't like people that feel like they're entitled to everything. It's true because it's, 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 it's a nature thing. It's not a spiritual heaven, heaven. It's a nature thing because you learn to work hard. You learn to do things and learn to have things for yourself, and you feel better about it. Same way about the church. When we do things around the church, we feel better because we're a part of it. 
I just love when people come to this church and want to say to me, I'll use me, say to me about how this and how that. Listen, where were you at when we started all this? Where were you, where you at when we worked hard and did all these things? Where were you at when we were praying and fasting and God was blessing and sending people our way to have what we have now? Brother Miller, ain't that true? God needs some more concrete today? Yes, he does. Send it over. Half price on things? Let me, let me clear off all that property out there for you, preacher. $2,500. You can't do it. I've got, I've got estimates, twelve dollars to $14,000. I'll do it. And if I do it and you're not satisfied, you don't owe me a thing. Give me a week. A husband and wife. God sent here because I told the other guy, I'm not paying $14,000 to move dirt around back. That's high as that hill all the way across. And God sent somebody to do it for $2,500. God does things if we will allow him to do it. Stay with me. He'll build. You don't have to try to build on your own. He'll build. That's why Paul says, listen, I know how to be abased. I I know how to be low. Amen. Because I've learned if I learn to be low, God will be the one that exalt. God will be the one to raise up. If you want God's blessing in your life, let God do it. Search and ask him, God, give me a desire. Let me be a soul winner. Because when I look at the Old Testament, amen, people that were blessed of God, amen, they had a lot of things, uh, amen, but they kept God first. Abraham had a lot. He had a lot to do. I don't mean lot, L-O-T. But his old nephew, listen, he had a lot. I mean, and that uh, you think, man, that had to occupy his time, his energy, and, and, and dealing with people and the, all. Listen, but he was able to put God first, paid his tithe on his substance. We act like what we make is ours. Come on. Even our time off. Well, I need some help around the church. Well, brother, I. You know, I only get one week vacation, and I, you know, I don't want to spend it at the church working or doing something to take a work day. That's your prerogative. You don't have to. But what God sees and what God knows, your heart and what God wants, if God, you want God's blessing, then guess what? There's sacrifices we make. Looking back, you know, and I'm going to say this. Looking back, I was ignorant because some of the sacrifices when I was a young Christian that I met, that I made for the Lord, I had no idea that I was really just, God was taking note of those things until later in life he started pointing them out. Remember when you said this? Remember when you did that? It's not something that we should take for granted. That's why future things, heaven is our hope. Building the kingdom of God is our hope. Because he said the former things are passed away. Behold, I make all things new. Future things are truly new, and I'm glad they're not like they are now, aren't you? Amen, amen. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your word, your spirit.